Three Films and a Podcast has no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode. All film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders and is used solely with the intent of film criticism, commentary, and education under fair use law. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy. Hello and welcome ack, ack, to Three Films and a Podcast, the show where three friends challenge each other to broaden their cinematic horizons through a series of unique rounds. My name is Ben Lawhorn and I'm here in Salt Lake City. I am joined as always by Tyler Beck, who's up in Portland, Oregon. Ack, ack, ack. And Matt Weiler down in Pleasant Grove. Yes, hello. <laughs> Just playing it cool. For those new to the show, let me be the first to welcome you to our movie club. What began as a club between the three of us and just an ever growing group text has evolved into this podcast that you're now listening to. So we'd like to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us, trying to build this community here of people who love movies and love discovering new things. Yeah, we thank you all for being here and supporting us. Uh, You can like and subscribe anywhere that you're hearing this or watching this YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast. All of it's great. Um, spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Tell your enemies. Just let let everyone know. Uh, we're just trying to build a community here. So thank you so much. And you can go to our website, threefilmspod.com, for any. All the episodes are there. Any merch. There's Patreon. There's all kinds of stuff. So everything you need is there. Um, in today's episode, we are talking about track 14 from the Misfits 1997 American <laughs> Psycho album, Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> I think, oh no sorry we're talking about the movie mars attacks oh, uh from tim burton it. i i gotta change my notes here this is uh i am not prepared for this um but before <laughs> we get into the movie uh we, want, we have a very special guest with us and i would like to introduce brian rowe from the film at 50 podcast brian thank you for joining us yeah thanks so much for having me but it's real this is gonna be a lot of fun I'm very excited that you're here. Uh, I was excited early on when we put out the the notes looking for guests and you were like on board for Mars Attacks and you're like, that's oh, the 25 year anniversary. And at, at the time, I didn't understand the significance of that. And then I was like, oh, that yeah. makes sense. Um, I love anniversaries. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Great. I was just going to say, like, tell people about your pod. I mean, it's all in the name. But yeah, let them know about Film at 50. Yeah, so Film at 50 started in September 2020. We look at films released 50 years ago and talk about how film has evolved over the last five decades, kind of what's gotten better, what's gotten worse, what has changed, what has stayed the same. And it's really fun for me because the 70s might be my favorite decade of movies, and it's given me an excuse to not just see the big ones, but really dig dig deep and find some hidden gems that I normally wouldn't have watched and with a lot of great actors that we still know today that made films at the time that a lot of people aren't really talking about now. So it's been a lot of fun. I have a new guest pretty much every week. We, we, uh, we drop on Fridays and I have bonus episodes every month. We do 20th anniversary, 25th anniversaries. I also have interviews at times. I interviewed Julie Don Cole who played Baruch Assault and Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory in June. That was a thrill. And so, yeah, it's just a celebration of films of the seventies and, kind of how things have changed over the last 50 years in movies. I, I love it. 
I, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great pot. I listened to the Willy Wonka episode, oh. <laughs> um, which I, I mean, it, I don't know. I love that movie. I love all your guys like thought like, both of your thoughts on it. You know, it's just like it's so different when you're a kid watching I'm like, oh, this is a lot of fun. And then you watch it as an adult. Like, this is weird. <laughs> like, yeah. There's like yeah. a this lot man belongs in prison. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a great weird movie for kids. Like, it's yeah. not like Wizard of Oz where it has some darkness in it. Willy Wonka is like really crazy like for yeah. younger viewers in that same vein like kind of mars attacks is the goofy movie for adults whereas mm-hmm. you know yeah. willy wonk <laughs> is the goofy movie for kids so it's yeah. like the other side of the coin of this week's episode yeah i don't know like who mars attacks was made for honestly the willy wonka thing i think is funny i think we're all kind of in the same group like age group and it was just so interesting to learn later on watching more movies and like oh gene wilder did not do family films like normally this was like <laughs> kind of weird to watch them like stir crazy like my favorite is uh hear no evil see no evil it's mm. like oh this is like this is who gene wilder is this like willy wonka was the weird thing he did like normally he was like, doing this other comedy but um yeah I, I love your podcast i actually just listened to the independence day episode also oh okay because um, i think that'll kind of tie into our episode <laughs> both of those coming out in the same yeah. year mm-hmm, 96 um, one definitely influencing the other um <laughs> uh, at least know. the reception of the other not not necessarily <laughs> the movie itself but how it got received i think yeah. um but the, the only quibble or not, not quibble but my heart broke a little bit when I heard that you didn't love multiplicity, because that's like mm. on my Michael Keaton Rushmore Mountain. I was like, oh, I love that movie. But oh, that I didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think also I didn't see it in the theater, so I didn't go in. You know, I, I found it later on. So it, it was oh, okay. fine. But I imagine yeah. like going into the theater, you're expecting that Michael Keaton is like, what is this? <laughs> like, I, I have so not I totally seen understand that movie. It, but... It's been a long time. I, yeah. I, I might like it more if I saw multiplicity now. I just remember seeing it opening weekend with friends and I was like, eh, it's not great. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not what you think it's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I forget. There's some other movie you guys talked about. You wins. Oh, uh, cable guy. I mean, yeah. you're expecting like Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. <laughs> and you get, we didn't get that again. Yeah, like, we a, talked a good about movie, but just not something you're ready for. Yeah, we talked about Independence Day for like 20 minutes. Then we touched on all the major films of summer 96 from May to August. And so we didn't get to Mars Attacks. That was December. But we touched on all the big ones like Cable Guy and The Rock and Twister, which I love Twister. It was it was that was it was a year. It was, was a great a summer. summer. I was 11 years old in the summer of 96. That was a great summer for 11 year old. <laughs> that was perfect. Movie yeah. Bus. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I was 13. So, yeah, I think we're all yeah. just kind of in that same group. So. Mm-hmm. That was a, a good year for movies for kids, for sure. Um, but yeah. OK, so welcome to the pod. We're so glad that you're here joining us. Um, you know, like I said, we kind of consider this a movie club and we like to refer to our guests as members of the clubhouse. But we do have three clubhouse questions that we like to ask every one of our guests the first mm-hmm. time that they're on. It kind of helps us to get to know you a little bit better. You know, mm-hmm. people who may have not listened to your pod, you know, this is just kind of a, a brief I guess synopsis or intro into who you are as a movie watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will kick off with my question, which is something I love to ask people who I know love movies. Um, if you are on a deserted Island, you can watch a movie, you got TV, Blu-ray, you got the full setup and you can take the filmography of one person, either an actor or a director. Um, who would it be? Like you, if they're still working now, you'll get the stuff they continue to do. 
Um, so they'll that, fly it out there. They'll fly it out. <laughs> yep. And they're not going to send we'll you food or help, <laughs> but it's just like, hey, <laughs> here's what movies. this person did a couple of years ago. So now <laughs> you have it. Um, I want to keep you up to date on the culture, you know? Uh, so, yeah, anyways, that, that's what I love to hear from people. So who would your um, Desert Island actor or director be? Oh, it'd be Alfred Hitchcock. No question. I mean, that yes. man made 51, 52 films over mm-hmm. 50 years between 1925 and 1976. And not to say I love every single one of them, but I would say at least 30 to 35 of his films, I think, are pretty solid or if not amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he he would keep me busy for a while. I wouldn't want to pick a director who made like five films and I'd get kind of sick of his work after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, Hitchcock is my favorite director and uh I would say seven or eight of his films are in like my top 30 of all that's, time. That's I just awesome. love his work, yeah. Yeah, we did a full Hitchcock round. One of our rounds was dedicated just to watching Hitchcock films. We watched 3 of them. Oh cool. And I remember when it was over, I was just like Oh man, I kind of wish this round was like eight more <laughs> movies long because it's yeah. just we watched um we watched what did we watch North by Northwest, <laughs> yeah. North by Northwest, Strangers on a Train, yeah, Vertigo and, and Vertigo. Vertigo, yeah, okay, yeah. And I just remember wanting to watch like it's like oh man, I want to watch Rear Window and Rope and all these other ones. And I think so. we had like discussions in the chat, like should we become a Hitchcock podcast? We just like switch yeah. this over because like I just kind of want to watch. We were this close, so close. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited. His second to last feature, Frenzy, which is rated R, came out in 1972. So I get to talk oh. about that next year. I'm very excited about that. That's nice. awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Yeah, his stuff was great. I think it's a great choice. He's a great example of what I think the ideal here where it is like quantity and quality, mm-hmm. like you said, you get plenty yeah. of his stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but it's also like, it's good stuff. It's not someone who's just like churning out movies for no reason. Like I, yeah, I watched Rebecca yeah. for the first time this year. I'm like, I just wanted to watch it instantly right afterwards. Like, <laughs> Man, this is crazy what this guy was doing mm-hmm. when this came out, you know, and just how much better he got. So yeah. And he already such- made one of his own movies. Yeah. You know, the man who knew too much. Yeah. And he's got a variety of just like the best actors of the time with James yeah. Stewart and Ingrid Bergman mm-hmm. and Grace Kelly and just all these people at their prime mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. best work. It's just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe think Cary Grant might be the most handsome person to ever be on <laughs> film. Like he's in notorious man, he's easy to look at. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it's a great answer. I love it. I love Hitchcock. I think it's also the first time that we've heard that, which is another thing. I really? Love. Just, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah okay. we, we always like I think mean, we've only had one repeat answer ever. Um, yeah. We are also the same as you. September 2020. So we got like we're OK. You know, we began at the same time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's our first uh, first Hitchcock. I think great. a lot yeah. of podcasts started last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what was going on. I wonder why. What was like, there to do? People, you know? like, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. I would say the only. The only thing I'd worry about with your pick is you're not going to get more Hitchcock unless they find something in a vault somewhere. So, yeah, yeah. his you second run the risk film. Of getting... oh, yeah, his, his second film, The Mountain Eagle from 1926, is a lost film. Maybe they could find it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you'd, have, you'd have some hope, something to keep you going. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, you mentioned earlier you saw Multiplicity in the theater and were bummed, and Cable Guy in the theater. And a, was long <laughs> a long time ago. A long time ago. And so, along those lines, I just want to hear about a favorite movie experience. And, you know, maybe, maybe a movie that disappointed you uh, ended up being, you know, funny or fun for whatever reason. But what was an experience, whether it's in the theater, at a friend's house, or whatever, that just really oh, yeah. stands out to you? There, there have been a bunch. The movie experience that I remember just loving at the time, and it, it was so spectacular, was seeing my first R-rated movie in a oh, theater. Nice. 
I was nine years old. My dad took me to True Lies in the summer of 94. Nice. And when Jamie Lee starts dancing, my dad was doing this. Like, oh, my God. What have I gotten myself into? He didn't shield your eyes. He just. No. He just shielded his eyes. I I don't think he shielded my eyes, but. That was a pretty spectacular first R-rated movie on the big screen. And we saw it on For a sure. giant screen with a big crowd. And I had seen a couple of Arnold's movies. Like I think Terminator 2 I had seen. I think my dad loved Commando. So he made me watch yeah. that. Yeah. My dad my dad showed me crazy R-rated <laughs> movies when I was like 8, 9, 10. He showed me The yeah. Evil Dead. He showed me lots of horror films. Awesome. And he loved Arnold. So yeah, he took me to True Lies and... I think we saw like a late show too. It was like, like started at like 10 PM and I'm like nine years old. I don't know what, I don't even know if I've seen a trailer. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, I love this movie. I mean, that movie, some of it doesn't hold up very well today, but like the action sequences, it's like James Cameron at his absolute best. Some of those scenes and true lies are fantastic. The visuals of that bridge over the water. The like bridge. Oh, when man, she's so when she's trying to get out of the limo, even though I asked myself, why can't she just roll off the back every time I watch <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> but, but when he grabs her at the last second and that shot, which was done for real, that's really Jamie Lee Curtis hanging off of that helicopter mm. for that that's shot, nuts. which today would be CG. It's so ridiculous yeah. if that was done for real. But it's uh, with the music and oh my God, it's just fantastic. I love it. That's awesome. I have an almost nine-year-old and I'm trying to imagine watching true lies with them. <laughs> true lies with them. Yeah. But you know what? I'm a Jamie Lee Curtis fan oh, yeah. and that Big is fan. great. Yeah. I love her. I'm a huge Halloween's my favorite horror film and I've been following her career since I was young. I, I love her work and everything yeah. she does. That's great. She's great. Yeah. Um, so we've done a couple rounds uh, where we've selected a movie that we personally love Mm-hmm. That we feel either is underappreciated by the masses or nobody we know has really seen it. And we've categorized those movies as unsung gems. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to know what you would consider your uh, flagship unsung gem that you feel just gets, you know, underappreciated. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if it's necessarily an unsung, unsung gem because it just dropped on Criterion earlier this year. And, and everybody I talked to who's seen it, they absolutely love it. But I would say the one movie in my top 10 of all time that I still feel like a lot of people have not seen and or appreciate, and that's Albert Brooks's Defending Your Life from 1991, mm. starring Meryl Streep and Rip Torn and Lee Grant. It's a movie nice. I discovered in high school, and it's just a fascinating story and really funny this idea of like oh we're gonna go to the afterlife and you watch your whole life play out in front of your eyes on a screen and it's like you're it's like you're on trial for your life and if you pass you get to go to the next level if you don't pass you have to go back to earth and try again and it's got so many cool ideas and I've always loved the work of Albert. Have any of you seen Defending Your Life? It's, no, it's, I'm just haven't. looking it up right now. It it's awesome. Man, yeah. I mean, he. I almost think people, he's more known for some of his acting, like in Drive, where he's the villain, which I love him in Drive with Ryan Gosling, yeah. and uh, Broadcast News with I love Holly Hunter News. and William Hurt by James O. Brooks. He got his one and only Oscar nomination for supporting actor. Uh, for broadcast news, which he's so funny in too. Mm -hmm. But I feel like more people know his 1985 comedy Lost in America with Julie Haggerty more so than Defend Your Life, even though it has Meryl Streep and the female lead, one of the most, you know, famous actresses of all time. It's not like her most 
magnificent performance ever put on film. She's just kind of playing the girl. So it's kind of yeah. like, it's interesting that my favorite Meryl Streep movie is the one where she's just like herself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just a, a delightful film. It's got a wonderful, heartwarming ending. And I've seen it at least 20 times. I just think it's great. And, and I, I always tell people to watch Defending Your Life. It just dropped on Criterion in um, in March. Oh, and, and nice. I need to pick it up. <laughs> I don't yeah. have it yet. Yes, you do. But uh, but it has. Uh, I think a couple of interviews. I think there's a new interview with Albert Brooks, and so I think nice. I might order that <laughs> for the Criterion. <laughs> get on, yeah. yeah. Get on that uh, Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's one that has for me. Um, my dad recommended it to me, which for the most part, like his recommendations <laughs> are good. But I have just have the instinct it? of like. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to watch that. My dad says it's good. You know? but yeah. now it's like, it sounds corny. Like when you read yeah. the synopsis and you're like, yeah. it's a love story. It's rated PG. It's from 1991. And you're like, mm. no, I'm good. Yeah, but like, it really okay. just look past all of that and just give it a watch. It's really great. I really love yeah. it. Sounds yeah. great. Once I yeah, saw Criterion awesome. is putting it out, I was like, all right, those guys <laughs> kind of know what they're talking about. Yeah. I can probably trust them. So, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering those questions. I, I love all those answers. This is, I think, mm -hmm. synonymous between the three of us. Like a favorite thing about the pod is meeting new people and hearing those answers. So thank you so much. Um, let's yeah, let's shift into the movie here. Uh, we are in the middle of our uh, Mars movies round, uh, which Matt selected. And the minute he said that I was like Mars attacks, like I, I think I was like typing it out before he even finished. You know, I was like, I've been wanting to watch this forever. So many of the movies I select fall into this category for me where it's like, I've been wanting to see it for a long time. It's been in my queue of just like, Oh, I should get around to that. And I'd never have. So when he said this, I was like, good, I can finally watch this. I could have watched it any time, you know, in the last 25 years. So I was Gotta like, have excuse. Right, now I can finally see it. So, I just like how Mars only exists in the opening credits in this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> title only. This is not really in any other way a Mars yeah. movie. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, that's I mean, that's why I wanted to see it. It felt like a hole in my Tim Burton, you know, watch a thon whatever it's like a, there's a handful of ones i haven't seen yet so i was glad to watch it for this um but anyways yeah that was kind of my reasoning behind it i'm curious to hear what everyone thought about the movie um brian i'm gonna throw it to you if you don't mind just giving a little synopsis of the movie and just kind of go into your overall thoughts what your experience is with the movie yeah so mars attacks this is from december 1996 this is the film tim burton made after ed wood and before sleepy hollow and this was kind of his celebration, his nod to the cheesy science fiction alien invasion movies from the 1950s. And it's a very simple story, right? Basically, we just get a cast of like 20 plus names and they all have their little stories and pretty within what, 10 minutes, like they are invading Earth. They are they're mm -hmm. setting down and we're just getting to know a little bit about each of the characters in this movie, which. It has one of the most astonishing ensemble casts oh, I think of any movie ever made. Insane. You know, like I mean, it's like it's almost too much to handle all of the <laughs> yeah. all the people in this movie because they're all so good. You almost want like a little bit more from each mm. of them. Yeah. You know, especially some that exit very early, like Michael J. Fox in his last theatrical movie role of his yeah. whole career, which is crazy. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you meet you you meet the president of the United States, played by Jack Nicholson. I'm like. I'm like, Jack Nicholson had to play the president at some point, And I'm so <laughs> yeah. happy he got to do that. Exactly. Right? And, uh, you know, the first lady played by Glenn Close. 
and you have Annette Benning playing this just like weird, like ditzy spiritual lady of the desert and a role that she's never really played before or since. Usually she's the smartest one in the room in Mm -hmm. any movie. Mm -hmm. And here she's just like, uh, (laughs) after seeing um, Close Encounters, I feel like she was sort of doing an impression of, I forget the woman's name that goes with uh, Richard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just like a, a whatever a ditzier, whatever more free spirited version. Yeah, of I that. feel like it was like just be her, but yeah, a little more, a little more off. She the looked wall. like she was having fun though. I love oh, that yeah. performance, but we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later. But anyway, on. it's it's kind of like the anti Independence Day of 1996. Independence <laughs> Day treats the alien invasion genre very seriously all the way through mm-hmm. for the most part, and then Mars Attacks comes just a few months later. I'm sure the people made, who made Mars Attacks were like, maybe we should have come out in 95. <laughs> maybe we should have come out a little bit earlier. Uh, I remember seeing this opening weekend in December 96 with friends, and I recognized that the tone was very different from Independence Day. Mm-hmm. But I still enjoyed it a lot. It's a fun romp. It's not very long. It moves along at a very fast kind of brisk pace. And you have so many people to follow. Like, There's not a whole lot of this movie. I feel like it's very boring or that drags in any way. Uh, but yeah, in the years since, I almost feel like I liked it more when I was younger, mm-hmm. watching it again yesterday for the first time in at least 10 years. I'm just my my issue with the movie now a little bit is like, wh- what is this movie supposed to do for any of us? <laughs> what What is yeah. the goal here? It just seems like Tim Burton said, hey, let's get a great cast and make a fun popcorn alien invasion half comedy, half <laughs> action movie. I don't know. Almost comedy. Yeah, yeah, almost because yeah. it's not very funny. Like for me, the funniest performance is Jack Nicholson. Like I think mm-hmm. he is doing some great stuff here, and he mm-hmm. has a dual role, which is really weird and interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's it's like the special effects are too good for it to really be like a fifties, you know, mm-hmm. science fiction movie. But it's also they're like still kind of it's nineteen ninety six CGI, which looks today kind of weird. Yeah. And to have them, I mean, I think they talked about they were thinking originally like they were going to do stop motion and make them look really like the Mm -hmm. films of the fifties and sixties, but they decided against that. And Hmm. I mean, I think that would have taken way too long. I don't know, but yeah. But yeah, Yeah, this is not this is not one of Tim Burton's best film. I don't know about you. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. It's but it's not much more than that, you know. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. And I, I, to the to the question of like who this is for, yeah. or like why they made it, I feel like you know scripts get passed around and ideas get passed around, and that's why you know we start to see like the same type of movie come out. Like for a while, it was the the, the like the the disaster movie or mm-hmm. the uh, what was that year we had like three different like defend the White House movies or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, so twenty thirteen. This maybe Independence Day was was coming down the pike and they were like, we've got to do something similar. <laughs> and they just decided to go this route. That's the only thing I can think of. Do like, we know that? Do we know that they because they came out so close to each other could have just been a coincidence. I mean, I don't know. Well, it's crazy because like they did the first draft on this, like someone was trying to make a movie about this in the 80s. OK. And then Tim Burton, like finally. It was just like, I think his clout after those four movies he did before, you know, with the Batmans and Beetlejuice, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay. The thing yeah. I don't understand is they say that they didn't know Independence Day was coming out. And I just, I guess now with all the trades and stuff, you know what everyone's like 
this person's no rumored to true. do this in three years and now it's like how did you not know they're making independence day like yeah, that seems like such it. a big movie but um <laughs> yeah yeah it, it felt like such a reaction independence day but i i mean they were both in production at the same time which is kind of nuts mm-hmm. i think they're different enough in tone though that you can have mm-hmm. them both in the same year i mean there have been some years where I mean, even like uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact coming out within a few weeks of each other. That felt kind of weird. Like those were very similar in some ways. So I feel like five months apart, they're different in genre a little bit. Like I think you can have both the same year. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed it. Um, I think maybe I would just like kind of turned off my brain to enjoy it. Because I think (laughs) if you get critical, it's like I think the you could criticize that it's either it's not funny enough or it's not like satirical enough mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. you see what he's going for with the 50s whatever you know like to spoof that but it's also just not like laugh out loud funny necessarily mm-hmm. um but i i had a great time with it like i i am really glad i got to see it i'll talk about it later on when we get into our rush because i just feel like this is tim burton just like here's what i want to do and i'm gonna do it you know and <laughs> i'm just gonna make the movie i want for myself i'm like cool man like if you can do that that's great like more power to you like it's it's hard to follow up those first four that you did but mm-hmm. i think this one was a lot of fun but what was what were your thoughts on it matt i so i saw this movie when it came out and i remember seeing the trailers and thinking like this movie looks bananas looks like it's gonna be <laughs> hilarious and i remember even then like as a kid it just it wasn't it wasn't super fun <laughs> it was weird which like was okay and like that was during the age where like you see a movie and like it's your favorite movie mm. and like it it wasn't. And I sort of feel the same now, but I will say, and I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth here. It's still worth watching because number one, the cast mm-hmm. um, and number two, just seeing Tim Burton's creative touch on anything is just worth experiencing. So mm-hmm. I, I still feel like you need to see it. You still need to experience mm-hmm. it. There's still like it's it's worth seeing, but it's not worth much more than that <laughs> yeah in my opinion yeah i mean much like you guys i hadn't seen this since like i don't know 97 or whatever I'm, i saw it when it came out and i've seen it once since then but i was a kid uh so i don't know how or when but um and i, I don't really remember loving it too much back then like i thought the aliens were funny and i still do like watching them run around in their underwear and be goofy and silly <laughs> um but, like, I think maybe I thought it was supposed to be, like, a serious alien invasion movie. What with, like, Independence Day and everything. And uh, speaking of which, I watched this last night. And uh, when it was done, Independence Day was on HBO. So I followed it up with a double feature. Nice. It was oh, wow. Very, uh, the synchronicity was, was <laughs> high there. Um, and, you know, like, I don't know. I just, it, like, the tone, like, kind of like you were talking about, Matt, was just completely lost on me. And like looking back with the benefit of hindsight, I realized that I just did not get it. And you'd think I would have realized this wasn't supposed to be a serious movie with like Jack Nicholson doing his best macho man, Randy Savage impression. (laughs) Sarah Jessica Parker has her head sewn to a dog and like Tom Jones going full on Cinderella at the end of the movie. I love that so much, but you know, I guess, you know, chalk it up to being too young, I suppose. But um, I, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. I just loved watching it. I think this movie rules. And like, don't get me wrong. It's a fucking stupid movie. Like, it's really stupid. But I just think it's supposed to be stupid. And, you know, kudos, Mr. Burton. You, you did it. You, yeah. You, you really knocked this one out of the park. And I, I'm glad you did because I had a fun, wa- a fun time watching it. But yeah, it's just 
to say who it's for, I I, I don't really know, but it I don't was, know. It was fun watching like some of the interviews he did in preparation like of this movie coming out. Because I think he was just so excited. You know, he got to make the thing he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of feels like this is a horrible analogy, but it felt like with Tarantino and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he got to make like his yeah. love letter to Hollywood. <laughs> He's like, nope. I don't know who this is for, but I want to do this. You know, this it's is like, for cool. me. This yeah, is exactly. Like, this is the movie for me, you know, and this is so he's like, yeah, this is what I want to watch. And that's that's great. And he did it. Um, It is super campy. My girlfriend, Ashley, we were watching together and I think she put it perfectly where she said this is like Tim Burton doing John Waters. Basically, yeah. I'm like, yeah, if I like watched like a Tim Burton hairspray movie, like, yeah, this is like <laughs> kind of set. could have shared sets. I think, you know, this is all kind of the same thing. But it just struck me because this movie is so colorful. I think when we think about Tim Burton, we think about kind of like the goth hot topic, you know, like just moody, whatever kind of stuff. But this movie, to me, was just like arguably one of his most colorful ever. You get the houses at the beginning of Edward Scissorhands, obviously, and more in more recent times, like his Alice in Wonderland stuff. But even that's kind of like a muted colorful. Yeah. Um. And I just thought that was so interesting. We just talked earlier about, you know, we went over Hitchcock. We also talked about Kubrick and Spielberg and just kind of like we, you know, referred to them as like the Spielberg isms. Like when you're watching a movie like, oh, this is his thing. And as far like the color palette just didn't seem like Tim Burton to me, but everything else did, which I thought was awesome. Um, and I just I just kind of want to talk about that. There are these directors who have these aesthetics like Wes Anderson stuff where you're watching you're like, oh, I know whose movie this is. And outside of the subject matter, I don't know, just on looks alone, be like, oh, this is a Tim Burton movie. Um, But I did have a great time with it. But I just kind of want to have a general conversation about, you know, all of us and our experiences with his filmography and just, yeah, I don't know, just kind of understand what his aesthetic Mm. has become, you know, what we understand it to be. I'll throw it to you, Brian. Yeah, Tim Burton, when I think about his work, especially the early films, it's about playfulness, inventiveness and trying weird surreal things that not yeah. a lot of directors were working with at the time i especially think of beetlejuice yeah. and you know the cast he got for that movie and the way he uses like stop motion in that and then some puppets and then there's like so i mean there he uses like every trick in the book mm-hmm. but i feel like his best work is when it's kind of surreal and playful and doing kind of wacky crazy things but to serve a story that i think for for example like beetlejuice i think tells a more interesting story than mm-hmm. Mars attacks does, you know, like, no, for sure. I get more yeah. wrapped up in the characters and in, in Beetlejuice more so than, than this film. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting along those lines, how he can balance horror and whimsy, mm-hmm. you know, like his more like literal nightmare movies like nightmare before Christmas or nightmarish movies like Beetlejuice. They seem like more or less harmless. You know what I mean? Like, like even in Beetlejuice, I, I mean, it's, creepy but it's not necessarily scary and it seems Mm -hmm. harmless and you're not like afraid of what's going to happen in that movie whereas like you know a movie like peewee and to be fair i haven't seen peewee in a pretty long time but it used to terrify me like that movie was so (laughs) scary to me it's like some sort of like fever dream you know yeah and you know so i just think it's it's interesting like you know the story of peewee seems like harmless and silly but it's like i don't know it's really scary you know what i mean or like i don't know so i just think i just think it's interesting how he can he can kind of balance that and it can teeter one way or the other and i think that's a good example like i forgot about peewee and that whole color aesthetic too and that's like that's very vibrant stuff but yeah that house 
in the wrong like movie is creepy as shit <laughs> like, like that like that's a scary house to be in you know yeah. but it's yeah it's like it's a fun movie whereas like beetlejuice you know when he's in that waiting room like all those people are scary but they're played for comedic effect and you're like oh this is like look at that dude's shrunken head that's hilarious yeah. but if i was actually sitting next to that guy i'd be like where the fuck am i this is crazy <laughs> like this is insane so yeah i think i mean all those points are great i also just like kind of lean back on the the danny elfman score i think that's danny one elfman. way you just know it's a tim burton movie like yep. you could yeah just listen to it you know like oh okay this is more than likely a tim burton movie i hear danny mm-hmm. elfman's probably and i think their duo i don't know we've talked about duos before and didn't bring them up like i think they kind of get forgotten about it's just like this pair of like you know it's like spielberg and john williams mm-hmm. um or hitchcock and you know bernard herman who we talked about earlier like these people who have worked together and create this great stuff and like they almost like elevate each other's work which i think is is awesome so that yeah, it was kind of my thoughts on watching. Like this, the Elfman pairing is always it's perfect. What about what about you, Matt? I mean, a lot of Tim Burton's movies are like that dark, moody, monochromatic, you know, vibe with like pops of color. But color is something that he uses very strategically in all of his movies, mm-hmm. and so yeah. color is, I think, part of his aesthetic. Um, this felt more of like a closer relative to Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, like he's he's had more color since with like Big Fish. Yeah. Um, Alice, like you said, Alice in Wonderland, Willy Wonka or the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. So he's not a stranger to like more vibrant color. Um, but I would say it, it was fun to see some some of that more like playful, like stop motion type stuff in this movie integrated with like a live action sort of thing. Since he's kind of he's kind of been the stop motion guy of our era mm-hmm. um and just with how much he's he's brought to the table with that mm-hmm. um so it's cool to see that uh but i think for me like the tim burtonisms is like just like the bizarre costume designs and set designs and like it's like he has this creative team come up with something and then he just like pushes it even further more bizarre like i would mm-hmm. love to yeah. see like the earlier sketches of like the aliens and i imagine like they're probably similar to what we see in the film but just like less insane and he's just like, no, bigger brain, bigger <laughs> <Yeah>. eyes, weirder <laughs> costumes. And Make like, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it's always a little more bizarre than like your normal creepy filmmaker aesthetic would would come up with. And so um, and I think honestly, that's probably my favorite alien design that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I loved everything about the alien design. Yeah, I uh, I really, really want to see the all the all Martian prequel to Mars Attacks, uh, <laughs> you know, preferably where we don't have to listen to Ak-Ak the whole time. We can actually <laughs> keep you know, the Ak-Ak. Figure, figure, all Ak-Ak. Um, it's subtitles. But, Everything's yeah. Ak-Ak, but we get subtitles this time. <laughs> <laughs> One thing uh, I just kind of thought about when you were talking, Matt, um, something you said brought it in, brought it into my my little noggin. But um, he can like he does such a good job of creating a huge world and and sticking to it and these worlds don't make sense but he stays within the work the like the rules of that world and so it, it's it's I, th- I think that's the tim burtonism like mm-hmm. none of his worlds make sense but he's able to make yeah. sense of them and he can put you somewhere where maybe that's why the color doesn't pop out as much because everything is so crazy but it all wraps up into this little neat little package and so it <laughs> It just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, like know. Batman Returns, he like 
penguins on this giant rubber duck and you're not like why is there a giant rubber duck you're like oh crap God, gotham's f yeah yeah <laughs> here it comes no i think yeah. it's yeah it's very believable like he he creates these worlds that yeah you 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 buy into it immediately i think he has a great ability to do that um we brian you mentioned it earlier this cast is insane <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up the imdb for anyone who's listening or watching i just i'm gonna read off like the main people on the imdb who for most movies you can do like three maybe four yeah <laughs> but this is all just the people at the beginning of the imdb mm-hmm. i'm gonna just go through this quickly so we have jack nicholson for no reason in two roles like doing this some <laughs> peter sellers light why thing. I don't how know did we get so lucky here i loved it i loved i loved the vegas dude what so did we much. do to deserve someone owed jack a favor <laughs> it was so good from, i think again. warren Beatty was supposed to play the vegas guy and he was pulled he out really? of the movie and then nicholson ended up just doing both he's like now i'll do it i love it yeah it's like, oh, we got jack let's just have him that's do great both. i think I that's that. awesome um yeah so jack nicholson pierce brosnan sarah jessica parker annette benning Glenn Close is the first lady. Danny DeVito as rude gambler. He gets top billing like on the posters. His name is across the top. <laughs> he's like he's, in, he's, he's like, in two minutes of the film. Yeah, was exactly. he a producer or something? I know. He just doesn't. I don't know. I just thought he doesn't even have a name. It's just rude gambler. That's all he is. Martin Short, Michael J. Fox, Rod Steiger, Tom Jones. Like <laughs> so amazing. Like they're like, look, I, if it's gonna be a Vegas movie, we have to have Tom. You Jones. have to, yeah. It's yeah. If you can't get sick, Reed and Roy, get Tom. Like Tom he's Jones actually pretty. Great. I think he's pretty good in this. Tom yeah, Jones. yeah, he's I a good actor. Him. I like him. No complaints. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he was more whatever, quote unquote, natural than Jim Brown to me. Like he was like, oh, but I mean, he's a performer or whatever. That makes sense. But I loved them both. Uh, Lucas Haas, Natalie Portman, Portman, Jim Brown just mentioned um, Tim Burton's girlfriend at the time, Lisa Marie, who played like the alien um and yeah i mean pam greer mm-hmm. and then just like a very young buzz cutted jack black like it's <laughs> insane like and christina guess, applegate yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. she's not even on the front of the like, barely in the movie at all <laughs> yeah she's not even on here like this cast is crazy like whatever you want about the movie to think about it that's fine but it's just like i think this is arguably one of the best ensemble casts of all time like i can't imagine it's so deep i mean we've talked about him before like knives out speaking of jamie lee curtis that's a great mm-hmm. cast but like i feel like you have just as good of people here and you also have like tom jones and jim brown and stuff like it's kind of nuts how big and great this cast is apparently the first script they had like 60 main characters in it so they had to cut it down to like just over 20 so that's still what were they yeah, thinking i don't like, know they they quoted the first budget at like 200 160 million and they were just like wow. go ahead and shave off 200 million and then it's you like, can have six cut Polly Shore and Brendan Fraser out of this movie. <laughs> yeah we gotta get these guys out oh, of it. Oh if that's true if they cut those two out I'm not <laughs> <laughs> no they would have been great <laughs> but I guess it went up to like a hundred that's when they're doing stop motion and it was just gonna be cheaper to CGI so that's why they went to ILM and dropped it down to I think the total eventually was like 80 million dollars but this cast, I just kind of want to talk about this. Like we can talk about ensembles if this is like the greatest ever. And also just like any of the characters that you guys liked in this movie, like who really stuck out to you or your thoughts, Brian? Yeah. I mean, one actress, I don't think you mentioned her. She's also in Beetlejuice. I love her in this. I believe it's her last movie. And that's Sylvia Sydney as the grandmother. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it brings a I lot totally to this movie. To, yes. She gets, she gets a lot of screen time in this yeah. and she, I think she was like in her mid eighties by the time she was shooting this, but she has a, she has a way with Tim Burton and, Mm-hmm. kind of fits into his work really well i really like her in this and 
her her character kind of solves the problem of the movie, oh, right? Like sure. yeah. with the music. So that's kind of cool. She is the glass of water in signs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is- I mean, you know, so, some actors are better in this than others. As I said mm-hmm. before, I think the one who just really does a great job, and I love every moment of him in this, especially when he's the president, and that's Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Who had worked with Tim Burton once before on Batman from 89. So it was kind of mm-hmm. neat that they came back and, and worked together a, a one more film. And I just think he makes a really believable president, but he it's, he plays it just enough like tongue in cheek that you can really yeah. get some glee from his performance. Yeah. And we get getting to a point where we think, oh, maybe he'll be able to solve this. But no, <laughs> I, loved, I loved watching him be like very loose and fun. Yeah, and whatever. he doesn't but- get to play that all the time. The moment when he yells at the general and he does his whole shut up, shut up. Like, <laughs> that guy can throw a tantrum like he can yeah. go zero to fucking bonkers so yeah. fast it's like it's it, I, I turn to alex i'm like man like there there's the shining just came out a little bit you know honestly I mean? like, my thought was like oh this is like the promotion the guy from a few good men got like he's the president now yeah but maybe he's not like as angry anymore or something but yeah <laughs> he freaks out he's like shut up like oh okay there's the you there's can't handle jack. the truth guy there but yeah, he i like, feel like jack nicholson plays it at just the right level i think glenn yes. close is playing it too big like her whole performance mm. is like her eyes are like this and big and oh, yeah. oh and yeah. it's almost like too much like it's a cartoon and then mm. Natalie Portman is the opposite. She plays it very subdued. It's almost like she wandered onto set and is like, where do I go? Like <laughs> yeah, she has exactly. like she does not have much presence in this movie. <laughs> For one of my favorite actresses, I think she's right. great in almost everything. And this one She's kind of sleepwalking through the role. I'm studying for Harvard. I can't focus right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, it's interesting to to, like, there's one other film that came out in December of 96, also starring Natalie Portman, that has an equally impressive cast, I think. Problematic director. We don't talk about him very much. But Woody Allen's Everyone Says I Love You, which came out in December of 96, has Alan Alda, Goldie Hawn, Julia Roberts, Natalie Portman, Gabby Hoffman, uh, Drew Barrymore, Edward wow. Norton, like five or six more huge stars at the time. Also the same month, I wanted to just mention that because Natalie Portman is in both. Kind of interesting. Yeah. That's I'm just crazy. I, I honestly had never even heard of this. And same. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, one of his more crazy. well-known movies, but it's like a Natasha crazy Leone, Goldie Hawn. Natasha like, Leone is yeah. the daughter in it. Yeah. So that's another movie released the same month also with Portman. <laughs> And she equally kind of sleepwalks through a role in that movie, too. So I don't know what's going on with Natalie in 96. She was obviously busy. They're like, look, we don't need a lot from you, Natalie. You just got to say a few lines. You're going to be yeah. huge. It's fine. Yeah. But this is right before Star Wars. I believe they shot Phantom Menace in 97. So this is like, right. Oh, that. yeah. So she did. Yeah. Everyone says I love you. Mars attacks. And the next thing is episode one. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. crazy. But maybe she just needed to relax after coming off of, you know, Leon and heat. She's yeah. like, I just yeah. need to like, I just want to do some <laughs> chill movies. I'm going to take it easy. No matter what my role calls for. But yeah. I agree about Glenn Close. She's definitely, she's to me, she's playing the fifties spoof. Yeah. movie. Like that's what she <laughs> showed up for. Yeah. She's like, Oh great. I'll be the first lady. Let's like, yeah, let's do this, you know? And then I don't yeah. know her death. though was like, honestly, one of the most shocking to me. I was like, Oh, 
I guess really anyone's fair game because you always yeah. expect in a movie like, well, they're going to take care of the president and like his family. That's never mm. going to happen. And so the, the way that it happens to is like, what the hell? <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, I do, I do I think it's kind of cool. I think it's cool that Glenn Close and Jack Nicholson got to be in a film together. I don't know oh, if yeah. they ever made another movie together and she's just oh, great. True. And so it was nice to see them together. And real quick, Batman Returns, you know, who was originally playing Catwoman? was Annette Benning. Yes. But she got oh. pregnant. She got pregnant. So she was replaced with Michelle Pfeiffer. And I think it's kind of neat. Wow. In Mars Attacks, we get a scene with Danny DeVito and Annette Benning talking yeah. to each other. So I'm like, oh, so it took four more years, but we got to see Catwoman and the Penguin together, at least yeah. briefly. Which is so cool. <laughs> and she was like, wasn't she going to be, they wanted her as Vicky Vale for the first Batman, but she oh, like injured geez. herself. No, that was Sean Young for oh, the oh, 89 yeah, yeah. Batman. Okay. Sean yeah, Young. Right. Yeah. And I think she's talked about in interviews since, like if I had just not fallen off that horse yeah, or whatever, that, I would that, have been in Batman and my career would have been something different. <laughs> that darn horse. Yeah. Yeah. And Glenn Close <laughs> also doing, you know, 101 Dalmatians in 96. Yeah. That's right before year. this. Yeah. Um, Great year for her too. For me, that's who I, I love the most. This movie was Annette Benning. Um, I just feel like she was able to just give it a hundred percent. You know, she's just like going for it. And yeah. a lot of these characters don't, you know, you just kind of mentioned it. They don't get a whole lot to do, you know, in terms of like a storyline, like some people we see so quickly, whatever, but I think she's one of the few where we kind of, we, we understand her a little bit, you know, and I just enjoyed what she did with it. I, I think she was, she was just a lot of fun in mm -hmm. this movie. Matt, who who was your character? Who was your actor from this movie that you were into? Oh, man. Well, I mean, you talk about greatest ensembles, and I don't know if this is the greatest, but it might be the deepest. Uh, hmm. But put Pierce Brosnan in any movie, and he's... Yeah. I mean, at least there's a combo for the greatest of something of all time. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, he's super fun in this. Great to Honestly, see Pierce. I, yeah, I want him in the next Knives Out. Get Pierce in there. Yeah. Oh, he'd yeah. Be, oh, he'd be so good. Two Bonds? Are you kidding yeah, me? I don't even know what it's about, but yeah, put him in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just uh, made me realize this is a tangent, but I would love to see some, I don't know how they would, how they would some like uh, multiple dimensions, parallel universe, Bond versus Bond, Brosnan <laughs> versus Craig in uh, one Bond movie. Verse, the Bond multiverse. Anyways. Um, but I was also, I was just shocked at how many, like just how, I mean, you have this many stars in the cast and I feel like we're still just not used to or, or trained to see our stars die. And so mm -hmm. it was cool to have a movie where these stars were not sacred. And I know Jack Black really wasn't a star yet. Um, so retroactively, it's it was crazy to watch him die the way that he did. Yeah. I'm realizing now that, like, this might be the only movie that he dies in. in Jack Black. All this, in all of his <laughs> filmography. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess in Jumanji, he dies several times. I don't know yes. if that counts. Yeah, I guess that's true. Did, yeah. did he survive? And I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, was in, he was in the sequel to that. I, I can't remember if he yeah. died or not. Oh, and you that. know, I guess I guess I don't know if he survived Never Ending Story three either. So, <laughs> oh wow, I've we got some research to do. Yeah, deep cuts. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Um, but no, it was great to see Jack Black, Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah, Annette Bening. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard to pick one role. Uh, but yeah, President Nicholson was was so good, and it was it was weird to see. A president Nicholson that's like should have been so bizarre, but like we've had a weirder president in real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, like at the time, it's like oh, it's so over the top and just like cartoonish. Like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, now, so now we're hearing a speech and it's like goes. making us emotional. It's like giving us pause. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, yeah. man. 
Oh man. Yeah, I um, I wanted to say earlier, but I I I didn't get to it. But Annette Benning, her character had my favorite intro in the movie, floating on that little pink island, drinking her drink, watching the news in the pool. I loved it so much. It's like that is the vibes I'm looking for. I love it. Yeah, send me to that pool, living her best life. Um, my favorite. I I was a huge fan of Jim Brown in this movie, and I don't even think he was like the best performance or the best character, but I don't know. I just like thought I just loved watching him. Especially he was his, the best dad. He was the best dad. <laughs> the best and dad. maybe that's, maybe it's because he was the most grounded. So it was like, maybe I could just attach to him more. Yeah. Uh, he was like sort of the heart and the warmth of the movie, him and the, him and the, the long hair burnout kid. Mm. I can't remember. Lucas Haas. Yeah. Lucas Haas. Yeah. Um, but I just loved watching him. sign of the donut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a circle. <laughs> I was so sad when they, I was hoping that they would like spare the donut shop. Yeah. But nothing was Martians. Um, but I loved when he was boxing the Martians. Uh, I just, I don't know, just all of it. I, and him and Tom Jones playing like action stars together was just, just incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love that so much. Yeah, their ending segment together was so good. And honestly, just like, just you mentioned it, but the Tom Jones Cinderella moment at the end of the movie. Like, (laughs) honestly, this is the best way for this movie to end. I love this. (laughs) It's it's so absurd that it fits perfectly. And Um, I'm realizing now, so watching this last night, I literally had to look up, like, is that, is the Vegas guy, is that Jack Nicholson? Like, I. I didn't know up until rewatching it that that was Jack Nicholson. And I had pictured, I thought that was like another person in Hollywood. So like <laughs> speaking of like parallel universes, I just killed off one of my timelines. Sean Penn is doing really well. I, like, I thought there was some actor that was that crazy guy. Like, I don't know. I, was, I don't know. Who was the ugly Jack Nicholson? They got to De- be the Dennis Vegas Larry? guy. Is that Dennis um, I mean, Matt, you just, you just brought it up. It's something I wanted to talk about that, like, you talk about some of these disaster movies and, you know, there's a time before 2020 where I'd watch these movies and I'm like, what are you people doing? Like that don't go towards whatever the danger is, like turn around, like <laughs> the, people can't be this dumb. There's no way they would continue to do this. And then we live in a time where people are like, man, I don't want to, we don't need to get political. It's like, I don't want to do the easiest thing possible. So I'm just going to like, I don't like scientists. I like Facebook. I'm like, all right, whatever. I guess, yeah, we're all just fucking doomed. Like if this actually happens, <laughs> because in this movie, like continuously, the aliens just like, no, 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 we're cool. We're cool. Everything's cool. Psych. <laughs> they just like kill everyone. Like it happens over and over and over again. And like, I don't know. I'm curious what your guys' take are take on this is because i interpret it as like they were saying you know actually like oh we come in peace whatever but then like we're tricking them but i've also heard that some people saw like the machine was malfunctioning i don't know i mean it's not we don't have like a huge discussion about it but i just i like that happening over and over for comedic effect and every time it's like you know pierce brosnan is kind of supposed to be the smartest guy in the room he's like they're very like technologically advanced. There's no way they're going to mean us any harm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen to that guy. Like everything's fine. It's like, meanwhile, just kidding. Congress. Like, <laughs> like we're going to kill all of you. Yeah. I, I love that juxtaposition. Them running around in their underwear. Like I talked about and looking yeah. at playboys and just messing around with people's anatomies and sewing stuff onto different stuff. And like, yeah, but they're it's so like, advanced. They couldn't possibly be. Yeah. I, but I also like, like how they had one last gag with, president nicholson like you think like oh, okay they <laughs> yeah. finally come to an understanding and yeah. then it's like nope 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, the scene that makes me think they're here to take over the world because mm-hmm. that main alien is like crying and then he just kills him he yep. kills nickel and i'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah just, yeah like with all that all the other stuff like they just come across like just kind of dickhead teenagers like, oh, that's all they are they're just like i love when they cool. i love when they're reading the message from the president and they just like laugh about it on their show <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, the 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 guy from France calls like, "Oh, don't worry, we're signing a treaty." It's like, no, dude, uh. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Um, yeah, I, I was just kind of curious. Like that, that was some of my favorite stuff in here. Just the the, the recurring gag of them killing everyone. I just want to know, like, if you guys, what your favorite moments were, if you had a favorite scene, anything like that. Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll toss it your way first. Yeah, if I had to pick a favorite scene, it's the final scene with Nicholson as the president. I just yeah. love everything about it. It's They're really shooting heavy. up the room, and he's like like ducking behind a chair and like i'm like okay the security is not very good for this president because he's just like by himself you could stop uh be a a a laser beam with a uh, an office chair like it literally (laughs) melts people to a crisp but yeah but i just love we get that long speech from nicholson and it's so great he's so charismatic and the aliens crying and you know can't we all just get along (laughs) and then i like that he doesn't just get shot like he he gets this thing and it starts going up around his back and then it just like pierces through his (laughs) his stomach and he's like (laughs) and like i think even a movie like this we're not trained as audience members to think that glenn close the first lady is going to die in a very extreme way like you mentioned and then Jack Nicholson, the president, is going to die. I yes. think you watch this movie assuming at least Nicholson will make it to the end. And he does. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, these movies sometimes with the ensembles, it can be hard to like find a protagonist to like stick with because you think it's Nicholson. He's the president. They, yeah, mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm with you on that. It was a funny death. I still that Glenn Close one still just takes the cake for me. That was yeah. so <laughs> just so weird. It was the it. most shocking and it was the only one that I guess like uh in a secondhand sort of way, she dies at the hands of the aliens. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the only one that's like, yeah, a secondhand death, I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think my favorite part or favorite line or scene from the movie is when the aliens have the translator and they're running around. And this, to me, would show why the machine was working. They're just being dicks. But <laughs> do not run. We are your friends. As they're just <laughs> murdering everyone, and the yeah. city's on fire. Like. I wish they'd only done that joke once because the second time I was like, no, they ruined it. But the first time I that was the only like gut like bust up laugh that I had in the whole movie. It's just I don't know. So silly. So fun. What about you, Matt? I mean, we already we kind of already talked around sort of my favorite parts, but I the the parts that I really liked were like some of like the dialogue, just like the absurd dialogue with the way people are reacting to this, like. In, in the trailer when they're having the argument about whether they should save the grandma and the kid's like we have to go save grandma and they're like no nope <laughs> they're on her own so um, and yeah that, that was clever that like she ends up being the one who like brings yeah. it all down you know yeah um and also, it sounds like uh, John Krasinski was paying attention to this movie because he ended up being heavily inspired by it for uh, for A Quiet Place. I haven't heard him give oh. credit to it. Oh, oh I haven't, yeah. still haven't seen that. But. Give credit where credit's due, John. Hey, you, you've been exposed. <laughs> Come on, Jimothy. 
I did love the gag of the aliens lining up the laser on her head and just that whole slow buildup. Like, you know, they're not going to do it. Like, that's the one time in this movie I felt like, all right, they're not going to shoot grandma point blank in the head. Hit here. Like that, that was I, that was to me when it's like, OK, she's the only one that's going to be safe because I couldn't yeah. remember who wins and who who dies or who loses, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I the, all the grandma stuff was a lot of fun for sure. I also feel like we should mention the kiss between Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a and scene also, I don't think we've ever seen in a yeah, movie. Yeah. No. How did they act that? I guess maybe they were just literally rolling on their shoulders or something. But like, <laughs> no. I, don't, I don't know how they pulled that off. Yeah, that that storyline just kind of went off the rails. But in, in a movie like this, it's true. It's like, yeah, no, it makes sense. I get it. Um, I we were kind of talking about it. We've been talking about it the whole time. Brian gave his IMDb synopsis, but I. You know, we we talk about podcasts, Brian. You, I'm sure you kind of experience the same thing. When people are like, "Oh, what movie are you watching?" and you kind of tell them, it's like you gotta like people just want an elevator pitch. They want to know, like why they should watch the thing that we're talking about. And I'm kind of curious what you guys would do for your elevator pitch on this. As we've been discussing, it's like a half. It's not like a full comedy, but it's not also like a full 50s spoof satire thing. I'm just kind of yeah. How, how would you guys sell this to people to to watch Mars Attacks? Brian, Brian, what would you tell people? You know, I would say, I mean, I feel like pe- most people know Tim Burton's work by now, if you're watching movies at all. So I would just say it's like, it's Tim Burton's nod to the 1950s kind of cheesy science fiction alien invasion movies mm-hmm. with Jack and Jack Nicholson's in it. Annette Benning's in it, Michael J. Fox. And I would just read like maybe 12 of the actors' names and that mm-hmm. should get people interested enough, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You get, you get a bond in there. You get the Joker in there. Like, just, yeah, check yeah. it out. I mean, I'm with you. I think it's just like this to me is like Tim Burton got to make the movie he wanted to make yeah. about 50s horror movies. Yeah. That, and in a way, yeah. in a way, I feel like the passion that comes through Tim Burton in this movie, I'm not sure we've seen it. In a movie yeah. he's directed since. Yeah, like, you can even tell though, he's having fun. Even though I have some issues with Mars Attacks, I think it's very flawed. You can tell the passion and the love of this material from Burton that I don't think we see in a lot of his work since 96. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely his silliest movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you can, like, yeah, like you said, you can tell he's having a lot of fun. And for me, I would just say, like, if you like sci-fi and you're in the mood for something silly, like, that you're not going to find anything that checks both of those boxes much mm-hmm. better than Mars Attacks does. And like you said, it's fun to see some A-listers just being weird and goofy. And like, there, there's there got to be some drinking game you can make out of this movie. I don't know what it is. You couldn't take a drink every time you hear the word act. You I die. was going to say, yeah. but maybe every know. five acts you could take. Maybe every shot. double cross, you take a shot or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're just, if you're hanging out, you just want something fun to, to throw on. Like you'd be hard pressed to find something better than this. Yeah. I would say if you like alien invasion movies where it seems there's no weakness and that all hope is lost, but you find out that sound kills the aliens, specifically a type of music kills the aliens. Um, check this one out. So those of you who are coming off of a quiet place and a quiet place to add this to the queue, this one, throw this on the queue. This is the right trilogy. up your alley. Yes. Pretty cool. <laughs> Brian, I think your point is honestly like one of the best ones on this whole episode. is just like, this does seem like such an earnest movie from him. Like it came from mm-hmm. the heart. Cause mm-hmm. I have his IMDb pulled up. 
I mean, we've got Pee Wee, Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. And I, I think honestly, those are just like that, that's a that's great, great start. Run. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. amazing. That's an amazing first five <laughs> six movies. Then we do Mars Attacks, and then it goes to like Sleepy Hollow, um, arguably my least favorite remake of all time, Planet of the Apes, uh. um, <laughs> Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's like all these other things. Um, mm. You know, Alice in Wonderland. And then, yeah, I guess most recently he did Dumbo, you know, which again is kind of like based off like an existing IP. And I think we see that so much now and he's done that quite a bit. And I think a lot of directors are just that's just kind of the game right now, especially if you want to do any like Marvel, DC, anything like that. You're going to do something based off an existing IP, whether it's a a book or not. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, surprisingly, like again, the research like this was based off of some trading cards from 1962 that were called like Mars Attacks. Um, And, you know, parents, as they want to do, freaked out, you know, and got them like banned and pulled off the shelves and stuff because they're like, oh, it's they're too gruesome, whatever. Was it Um, like. Is it like a Magic the Gathering type thing where you like play against each other or are they no, just collectible? No, it was just like, yeah, just like collectibles. Like, and like, like they have the number kids. on the front where it's like number one, like the invasion begins. And one of the cards had like the cows on fire, which was like the nod to the beginning of this hmm. movie when all those cows come running through. So, you know, it's like a, a deep cut. If you know the cards, that makes sense to you. If you don't, then it's just like, it still works. And it's like, oh yeah, these aliens are whatever, you know, killing these cows. But um, I just thought it was interesting to have such like this feels like one of the first non-literature IP references for a movie mm-hmm. um, is something that just seemed crazy to me. But now like we have we have Patrick Stewart playing the shit emoji, you know, in the emoji movie. Like we have all these like we have battleship with like, you know, justice for Taylor Kitsch. But, you know, all this kind of stuff that looks like, how are they making a movie out of this? This is kind of insane. Um, but I guess just to like feed the beast here i want to hear what you guys like what's some ip that hasn't been touched yet that you think might make a good movie i i don't know there's so much out there brian what what would be your pick yeah my pick would be the work of robert mccammon one of my favorite novelists he wrote he wrote a lot of horror novels uh you, i don't know if there's any that you guys would know but my favorite book of all time is from 1991 or 92 i want to say and it's called boy's life it's a mm. book i read in high school and it's kind of like Spielberg ET kind of a story. It's like 600 pages and it's got a murder mystery. And mm. he wrote an amazing apocalyptic horror novel called Swan Song. That's very much like Stephen King's The Stand. Okay. And that okay. was published in the late 80s. And he, he has some series that he's published in the last 15 years. I think he is a stellar writer. His work, I've read almost everything he's done. And nice. I don't believe anything he's ever written has ever been adapted into a movie or a show. Huh. So I'm like telling people like Robert McCammon, <laughs> yeah, look at his work. Get it Make, on someone, someone needs to do a, like a limited series of boys life. It would be spectacular. Okay. I got to <laughs> check that out. Yeah. 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 I am. Um, one of my favorite uh, books or book series is uh, by Stephen King. I don't know if you've read the dark tower series. Um, it ties in heavily to the stand. I love that series mm-hmm. of books. Um, and I just wish they'd make like a game of Thrones style series out of it. Uh, yeah, not the as, movie. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that movie doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, I've never even seen it. I probably won't. So um, bad. <laughs> and, uh, there's also a bunch of Nintendo games that I think would be fun. Like, yeah. What with, uh, the new space jam coming out, like, it's like NBA jam could be a funny adaptation mm. or a cool adaptation. 
Uh, or like Mario Kart. It seems like almost weird they haven't done, and maybe they have, I just don't know about it, but like some sort of, you know, Days of Thunder Mario Kart movie. I think that'd be pretty fun. Well, there to watch. is the movie Super Mario Brothers with Bob Hoskins mm-hmm. from 1993. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah, Dennis Hopper? Dennis Hopper is like Bowser or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Mario Kart would be fun. That would yeah. be, I, I like to see, I don't know how they would do that, but that'd be cool. Hollywood can do anything. I believe in them. <laughs> they will do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. They did Sonic yeah, the Hedgehog. Right. Jim Carrey. Yeah. So you never know. Ben Schwartz, my guy. <laughs> Mine would probably be, I mean, we've seen Clue. We saw Battleship. Have they made a Monopoly movie? Not yet. I mean, <laughs> Parker, yet. Brothers is shoving, <laughs> Parker Brothers is shoving Monopoly down our throats. I am surprised yeah. that they have not made a movie out of it um, of some kind. Um, I'd like to see a, a life adaptation of Magic School Bus. You know, That'd make be cool. it make it weird. Have Taika do it or something. Make it James Gunn. Make it yeah. bizarre. Um, and Zelda. You know, The Legend of Zelda has not been adapted into a movie. I um, almost feel like that one's too sacred. Like a studio would be afraid to do it because the the true fans of Zelda would, I think, they'd lose their minds. But they could yeah. do it and do it well. I don't no. know. Nothing sacred to Hollywood. That's you know true. what? I, you true. know what? I'm still surprised that they never made into a live action movie is the Jetsons. I thought that was coming. Oh yeah. They, never, oh, they, yeah. they, did, they did the Flintstones in '94. Yeah. And I thought the Jetsons would be next, and they never did it. Kind of surprising. That is surprising. Yeah. I wonder if someone owns the rights to it, mm. just refuses to let it go or something. Oh, okay. Those. Get Seth Meyers no to be idea, the dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they have because I mean they did the Yogi Bear movie. Like they, I mean Hanna Barbera, they're not above making movies about this stuff yeah. yeah now it seems like a great time um yeah i feel like every single thing in the world has its own monopoly version now you know <laughs> yeah. like you said map it's just like go to the mall and like oh utahopoly it's like nobody wants this even people in utah don't want this like i don't understand We're why people made this yeah <laughs> we have a, we nuts. have a renoopoly board game do you have a renoopoly <laughs> it's awesome. still in its it's still in its seal we have not opened it <laughs> collector's edition save it you know <laughs> um i like a real asshole did not even think about my answer for this so i'm just like yeah all of you guys are great i want to hop onto that um it's don't not, talk about my friend ben that way <laughs> this isn't an ip but i am in the middle of reading um walt disney's biography and i just it seems like something that will never get made with the power that the disney corporation mm-hmm. has but like just a real true story about Walt and like mm. his rise and, you know, the way he treated people early on in the studio. Like, I, I love this book because it's, you know, I read the reviews on Amazon because there was a few. And the one that sold me was like, if you are a Disney adult and you love all things Disney, this is not the book for you. And I was like, <laughs> this is the book for me, though, because <laughs> like <laughs> I, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the stuff that maybe wasn't great. Like, obviously, he did a lot of he influenced the world, you know, like he did a lot of great stuff, but like, I want just like a down to the core story about him. I think it'd be really interesting. And I just don't know that we're ever going to see it. I can't imagine how that would ever happen, but not necessarily IP, but it's the only thing I can come up with right now. Cause I'm really enjoying the book. And I just think it'd be a, a great topic for a true biopic. So, um, but I love all that. And now, yeah, I just want the Jetsons movie. So I know I think <laughs> that's be... a good call. I, I am genuinely surprised. They've never we done got that. the technology, you know, yeah. we can do it. Um, 
All right. We've talked about Tim Burton quite a bit. Uh, now, one of my favorite segments that we do here is I want to get into our Rushmore Mountain. And we are going to do our Tim Burton movies. We're going to blow it up. We're going to like blow it up. It's going to happen. Um, so Tim Burton, just being involved with it, director, producer, whatever you want. Um, I just want to hear all of our top four Tim Burton projects. And Brian, we will start with you. All right. So, yeah, I wasn't sure if Nightmare Before Christmas counted because he didn't actually direct that movie. That would probably be somewhere in the top four, if not mm-hmm. number five. But for films that he directed, my favorite four of Tim Burton's would be number four would be Ed Wood, which I think Mm. is one of his strongest works, like dramatic works. You know, he did like Big Fish and he did Big Eyes, the big movie. (laughs) Uh, But but I feel like of his dramas, like the smaller films, I think Ed Wood is the strongest one. It's a great performance by Johnny Depp and Martin Mm -hmm. Landau won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He is great as Bela oh, yeah. Lugosi in that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's not one I want to, I necessarily like revisit a lot. I mean, it's slower. It's kind of, it's like more of a human story, but Ed Wood is really great. My number three would be Edward Scissorhands. Just a beautiful film, beautiful, like fantasy fairy tale kind of movie. Winona writer, Johnny Depp again, Johnny Depp appears in a lot of his work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like any Tim Burton movie without Johnny. It's like, what's going on? Uh, but yeah, Edward Scissorhands, uh, the ending with Anthony Michael Hall always bothers me a little bit. It goes a little bit too violent, I think mm-hmm. at the very end, but other than that, Diane Weiss is great in it too. Oh man. It's, it's just a really Weiss. like a really fun cast and premise. And then my number two would be Batman returns which mm-hmm. I just think is one of my like favorite Christmas movies ever. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I love the mood of that one. I like a lot of Batman from 89, but for me, a lot of that movie is like the Jack Nicholson show. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like, I feel like Batman returns a little bit more focus and has a little bit more going on. And I just, I love everything about it. The look of it, the sound of it. Yeah. And Annette Benning, I think would have been great as Catwoman. Yeah. But I think Michelle Pfeiffer hits it out of the park. I think that's one of her best performances on film. Yeah. I just love her in that movie. She's very funny in it. She's very sensual in it. I just think it's fantastic. And, you know, I think it was deserving at least of a nomination, but she got another one the same year for Love Field. So it all worked mm. out. And then Danny DeVito. So great. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you guys. I still think Michael Keaton might be my favorite Batman. I just think there's something about him that I've always just really admired in those two movies as much as I love Christian Bale. And I think the dark Knight is the best of the Batman films. I think I Keaton's one. probably my favorite Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne. I think yeah. Ben Affleck might be my favorite okay. Batman. Okay. Uh, I love Christian Bale. I think he's great, but yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, I just love the, the Affleck Batman, but yeah, the mm-hmm. Keaton Bruce Wayne is like, yeah, he's I really great. Like, top tier and there was yeah. a really cool clip going around of michelle pfeiffer filming the whip one of the scenes right. from did you yeah. I don't know, that was really I cool the, the behind the scenes mm-hmm. clip that was really mm-hmm. cool to watch she it was, was really impressive great. yeah i mean i can't i mean didn't they like she would say if she had to go to the bathroom they had to stop filming and it would be like an hour right like they had to like cut her out yeah. of this i mean it was i can't imagine that was a very pleasant experience same with what uh, she had to wear in that yeah lisa marie in this for martian yeah. girl they sewed her into it like wow. she couldn't yeah. even sit down like it's kind of nuts and as far as the batman conversation goes i feel like i can already just like 
hear the comments of people yelling <laughs> Kevin Conroy. It's like it, we get it. We know he's great. He's awesome. But like so clever. Yeah, I, uh, so clever. You did it. Yeah. 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 He, he is. He's wonderful. I agree with Tyler. I think Keaton's my favorite Bruce Wayne for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I, th- I think he fit that really well. And I can't like I wasn't like watching those movies at the time. So I can't imagine. But I feel like that was a big surprise for people. You know, this like Mr. Mom is Batman, you know, and it's just like, oh, he he was solid. He's great in these movies. Yeah. But Batman Returns, I think, is such a great film. Christopher mm-hmm. Walken, also really fantastic oh, in man. it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite sequels. I just think that was one of like yeah. the creepiest yep. movies I saw in a theater <laughs> as a kid. It came out in my believe May of 92. So I was very young when I saw that in the theater and it's just always kind of haunted me ever since. But if I had to pick my favorite Tim Burton movie, the one, if somebody did not know who Tim Burton was and wanted to see one of his films, I feel like the one I would show people that I think suits him the best that just captures everything I love about Burton. And that's Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice is just a masterpiece of comedy, of horror. I mean, Catherine O'Hara, Gina Davis, Alec Mm -hmm. Baldwin in an early role of his. Mm And uh, Michael Keaton before Batman, you know, it's a totally different role yeah. for him. And, he, and, he, and he's so great in it. And Winona Ryder and, and just so many great Jeffrey Jones from Ferris Bueller is really funny. Oh, in it. yeah. like, it's just a great cast. And it's so inventive and so clever all the way through. I'd love Beetlejuice. That would be my favorite Tim Burton movie. Yeah, I love it. It's That's solid. Call. What about you, Matt? That's a great list. And I'm I'm actually with you. I. I have a hard time sometimes separating my my bias with superhero movies in particular. Michael Keaton is my Bruce Wayne and Batman. And uh, yes. Batman Returns, you know, it's got to be it's got to be my top 4 Tim Burton's mm-hmm. uh, for all the reasons that you already said. Uh Edward Scissorhands, I'm going to real echo chamber here for a second. Uh same reasons. Um I love that movie. It's hauntingly beautiful. Beetlejuice, uh, like you said, it's showing Michael Keaton's range. And also, I think mm-hmm. for me, like whatever role Michael Keaton's playing is my favorite version of that character. <laughs> and oh, so you love whether he's Batman. Then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> multiplicity. <laughs> Give me more Michael Keaton. Yeah, more Michael Keaton's. And I'm, I'm super glad that he's like sort of like he disappeared for a while and he mm-hmm. was gone. And now he seems to be back and I can't wait to see him back as Batman again in that flash movie. So Mm -hmm. that'll be fun. And I know like, I mean, I have no complaints really about the other Batman. I love the Ben Affleck meme, the sad Batman meme (laughs) that went around. But I mean, I was totally on board with his Batman. I'm excited for Robert Pattinson's Batman. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for me, it's it's Michael Keaton. Uh, To top off my Rushmore list, I would have to go Sweeney Todd. Um, Yeah. mm. Just bringing in some of his like musical, you know, and and set design into a, a live action movie was yeah. was cool to see. Sweeney makes my honorable mentions list. Uh, but before I get into my actual list, I I want to shout out friend of the pod Aaron Price. Uh, she had she and I had a really funny Michael Keaton moment working at the airport together. She saw on the passenger list that there was going to be a Michael Douglas flying <laughs> on the flight. And I don't know if she saw Michael Keaton or if she just somehow, I don't know. I don't know how she somehow thought that Michael Keaton was flying under the pseudonym 
Michael Douglas. And I just, I'll never, I, I wish I would have recorded the conversation. The way she oh. says Michael Keaton, she says a Michael Keaton. And it's just, I don't know. She's a lovely person. I haven't seen her forever. So shout out Aaron Price. Anytime I hear Michael Keaton, I hear her saying, no, it's Michael Keaton. It says Michael Douglas, but it's Michael Keaton. <laughs> I'm going to just tag on to that because also working at the airport with you. One of my favorite moments is when Snoop Dogg was flying through <laughs> and the agent working the flight did not know who that was <laughs> and kept over the loudspeaker saying, Calvin Brodus, please come to the gate. <laughs> Calvin Brodus. And it's like, stop saying this. Like He's not coming up. He is not going to respond to this. Like one of his like entourage came up. It's like, what? What do you want? And it's like, oh, I just want to make sure he still wants both seats because they bought both of them. Like. Yes, he would like both. Stop yes, calling Mr. Calvin Brodus like <laughs> for the airport intercom. It's incredible. Oh, man. Um, wow. Good airport stories. I love it. Um, so my Rushmore has got Pee Wee. Like I said earlier, that movie has that was like one of the first movies that I can remember in my life sort of being like a meme movie, like the whole tequila dance, you know, like like that whole thing. Um, I just remember as a kid just loving that and also just being terrified of this movie. I don't know why. Um, Batman was like a sort of a life changer for me. That's I record like my uh, my uh, grandfather had HBO and I was able to record it you know, onto VCR off of the, off of HBO. And I had it, my own little VHS copy of Batman. I loved it so much. Probably. I don't know if I was too young for it. I don't know. I was pretty, you know, I was 89. I was six years old, mm. but you know, for long live Batman, uh, Beetlejuice for all the reasons we've talked about and nightmare before Christmas. I mean, I, I kind of figured there'd be a lot of crossover on the, on these lists, but you know, all those movies for me just sort of, I, I mean, they were big movies, every single one of them. I don't consider Tim Burton as like, you know, my Desert Island director or even one of my favorite directors. But there's so yeah. many movies of his that were like, you know, big and influential to me. And, you know, all four of those are, are prime examples of it. It's a shame we never yeah. got the Superman movie. Oh, man. yeah. That would have been, been something. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. So thanks, Matt. Now... <laughs> Now I'm retroactively disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Watch watch uh, Kevin Smith talking about the writing of Superman uh, for Tim Burton. It's really interesting. It's on YouTube. So good. Yeah. I mean, I've actually one that... seen that. It turned into a Wild Wild West or something yeah. like that, right? At yeah. The end. Like, exactly. They ended up taking the story and turning it into yeah. Wild Wild West. Wow. It was insane. He's a he's such a good storyteller, mm-hmm. like actual speaking yeah. storyteller. His story yeah. about Prince and filming that docu secret documentary for Prince, I love that so much. Yeah, he's he's captivating. Um 
yeah, I feel like I agree with you, Tyler. I thought there's gonna be a lot of crossover. And it's not that there isn't a lot to pick from, but I think just his hits are they're so high. His yeah. highs are just like it's crazy. I think I mean all of us have do we all have Beetlejuice? We all have Beetlejuice yeah. on here. So yeah, that across the board, like that's just it's a great thing. I'm with you, Brian. Where for the, there's one movie I had to show somebody to explain Tim Burton, <laughs> I would show them Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, that's the one. I'm with you on Batman Returns too. I think it's one of those you know, whenever the argument of like what sequels better than the original, it's like at Batman returns. <laughs> it's crazy that two Batman movie sequels are probably better than the first one. Um, <laughs> but I think this falls in there. It's just like, you know, I'm, Michelle Pfeiffer awoke some things in me, you know, when I watched that movie. So I do love Batman Returns. Um, Michelle, I if you're listening, here. please like it. Yeah, please like, like and subscribe. <laughs> That's um, a big fan. <laughs> uh i have shared the story on here about being able to see like a sneak preview of nightmare before christmas so that movie just always like holds a dear place to me i think it's a great movie on its own um I, i'd be lying if i said that the the hot topic of it all didn't kind of like yeah bum me out every time i see it it's like oh my god but um it was interesting to learn that that's who sally was based off of i guess for that movie was uh, lisa marie his girlfriend in oh. this um, mm. the martian girl so kind of interesting um and then so i put mars attacks as my fourth it's probably recency bias i really enjoyed it i had a lot of fun um but i think i might swap it out for charlie and the chocolate factory um not allowed I, nope <laughs> can't i'll stay quiet <laughs> i'll permit this uh i mean i i read the books a lot as a kid and it was it's it's a stupid argument that i've also brought up on here i hate i hate the conversation but it it was just you know more true to that source material that's why i liked it, it was really weird it's such a weird movie but like that's exactly what the book was it was so weird um i i love charlie and the chocolate factory um so yeah it's somewhere between that and mars attacks i'll figure out which one i wanted to be by the time we post about it but um go with mars attack mars attacks it's, uh, <laughs> you know brian rules here yeah. so mars attacks is my fourth pick yes. um charlie the chocolate factory you, is just on the other side of the mountain though but probably best to not have johnny depp's face on there if i can help it so yeah nightmare before christmas batman returns beetlejuice and mars attacks but i think we all have a great you know selection here you know some definitely some crossover but there's a reason yeah. that beetlejuice is just one of the greatest ever so no dark no. shadows oh, dark shadows <laughs> why not yeah let's get, let's get into mrs peregrine's school for gifted kids here um before we move on was, from rushmore oh yeah please i want to so we so far we have two movies that we've watched on the pod that feature mount rushmore no isn't it we've got three now we've so, got north by northwest, north by northwest. Mm-hmm. close encounters and now mars attacks we just need one more to fill out an a rush overall. Rush pod. How do we get Richie Rich on here? <laughs> yes, let's do a Macaulay Culkin round. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that, listeners and viewers. We're, we're one movie away from our Rushmore, Rushmore. <laughs> watch, watch the Truman Show. It's kind of in the Truman Show. And oh yeah, room. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I it, does, it doesn't meet the criteria. The criteria. I think we've all seen it, so we can't oh, okay. put it in we'll the pod. Just, we'll find something. That's the hard part: is finding something that we don't know is mm-hmm. in a movie that that we haven't seen. Um, but no, yeah, Rushmore, Rushmore would be a good goal. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had a great time. Um, Brian, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Yeah, thank you. Um, this, Yeah, this was an awesome conversation. Like I said, I, I love your pod. Please let people know where they can find you um, everywhere. 
Yeah, we're on, you can find us online at filmat50.com and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look up Film at 50 podcast and you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast and please rate, you know, rate our uh, podcast with a five-star rating and leave a review and tell your friends and family about us. We're entering our second year very shortly here. We just recorded the 50th episode of Film at 50. Congrats. That's awesome. That was was very exciting. That's very cool. And everything you just said is what I tried to stumble through at the beginning of this episode. So <laughs> whatever he said, maybe I'll just cut your audio out. And then at the end, I'll say at three films pod. That's where you can find us and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Thank you so much again for joining us. We'd love to have you back anytime. I, I love your podcast. I think it's a great idea. And it's just like you said, the seventies, they have so many good movies and going into a new year is just going to open up so mm-hmm. many great things to yeah. watch for 1972. So yeah. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you everyone for your support. Like I said, at three films pod, wherever you find stuff that you want to take in, that's what we're at. So um, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week. Thank see you so you. much. Bye, Steve. Good party. I like Steve. <laughs>